Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. Today's episode is going to be my Week 10 recap, so I'm going to go over six of my favorite games from last week and the implications that they have. I'm then going to discuss who I believe are the top 10 te- teams in the league right now and why. Finally, I'm going to go going to be going over, excuse me, some trade targets and other fantasy news. And lastly, I'm briefly going to talk about my Chicago Bulls because after all, this is a sports podcast. It's not just about football. And I do plan on keeping this thing going during the offseason in the NFL by lightly touching on NBA basketball and also covering the offseason for the NFL. First, I'm going to start off by saying if you took my best bets last week, you're probably very annoyed with me right now. Uh, Trust me, I am too. I'm very sorry for that, you guys. Sometimes it's just how it goes. It's just how the cookie crumbles. Right now, I'm barely above 500 since week four. I'm 14 and 11 since then. Hopefully, we can get a bounce back week this week coming up. Make sure to tune into Thursday's episodes for my latest best bets. Anyways, we're going to be starting with the most surprising game in my eyes, and we have to start with the Buccaneers at the Washington football team. We can start with what went wrong for the Buccaneers. I mean, let's be honest, Brady kind of dug them a hole. He did not play his, he probably played his worst game of the season so far. They were down 13 to nothing in the second quarter. This is a hole we're normally used to very seeing him escape, and I think that Watching this game live, I did think he was going to escape it. I bet a lot of you guys watching at home did as well. And we're very used to this. But at the end of the day, there was just a lot of miscommunications between him and his receivers. There was a lot of drops. There was a lot of weird looking plays that didn't look quite right. Brady looked off on a couple throws. And it was very strange to see this. I thought Brady coming off a bye would be extremely sharp, would be extremely in tune with his receivers, even if he was missing some of his safety blankets in Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. I didn't think it matter as much as it clearly does, and I think that those guys need to get back healthy as soon as possible because it really is impl- impl- having huge implications Excuse me, on Brady's game. Shifting focus to their defense, they didn't play well at all. We know their secondary has just has been just all right, and I thought they played pretty well this game. It was just amazing to me that their front seven looks so average. They let Gibson get some really big plays and some really big holes going, and Heineke was consistently getting clean pockets. There wasn't much of a pass rush this game, and that obviously is not a recipe for success. They just got completely outmanaged on the off, or excuse me, on the line of scrimmage. They got pushed around on both sides of the ball. Shifting to Washington's side of the ball, Heineke has some swagger to him. I mean, clearly the dude has a lot of confidence and some made some really good throws, I've got to say. He was probably one of his best games, if not his best game as a pro. I thought the football team just, again, they managed this game very well. They kept Brady on the sidelines. Really, they never let him catch his stride and catch his groove with those long drives, those long surgical drives that Brady's really known for. I mean, they possessed the ball for 39 minutes in this game, which is, you know, two-thirds of the game pretty much. They did just enough to win their game while their defense looked much improved from earlier in the year. Their secondary looked really sticky and their front four got enough pressure on Brady. And again, I want to emphasize that Tampa was very much in this game and their defense, if their defense makes a stop on Washington football team's last drive, Tampa and Tom might just drive down the field to win this game. So again, it's still a very close game. It's not like it's time to panic on Tampa Bay at all. They obviously have to get healthier both on the in their secondary and with their weapons and I think they're going to be just fine. But their defense just looked extraordinarily average both by scheme and execution. I mean, 
again, they, they got out schemed and they got out executed. When that happens, you're going to get results like this. So again, Washington looked very impressive. That final drive was just amazing. 19 plays over 10 minutes of possession, keeping Brady on the sidelines, like I said. And so it was a great game plan by Washington. I think Tampa will bounce back. I'm not worried about them again, but they need to get healthy. And I liked a lot what I saw from Washington and particularly Taylor Heineke. If he can keep playing this way, I mean, who knows with how weak the NFC is, particularly after that fifth seed and look like looking like the Rams are going to lock that up unless they find a way to catch up to Cardinals in the NFC West. Either way, Washington is still very much alive and in the hunt. Moving on to the next game, we have the Chargers versus the Vikings. Starting with the Vikings, this was an absolute must-win game for them. And with the again, with the NFC fairly weak and wide open, the Vikings playoffs hopes are very much still alive, especially thanks to this win. This was an absolute huge game for Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson in particularly particular excuse me fantasy owners are very pleased with these two guys after this last week but as an outlook go going forward for the vikings they have so much talent here and a coach in mike zimmer that sure he's been catching heat but he's a very much a proven veteran in this league he's got some very creative schemes on the defensive end and those schemes put players such as Eric Kendricks, who's truly one of the best, if not the best linebacker in the game right now, to just shine so bright. Their secondary has been a lot better than people give him credit for. And yes, Daniil Hunter is out, which is a huge blow because Daniil is amazing. But right now, they're 7th they're in the league in yards per game at about 385 yards. That's on the offensive side of the ball. That's above teams like the Cardinals, the Chargers, the Browns, etc. I mean, if this team can just keep their defense afloat, led by a star like Eric Kendricks, as I said, and help from key players such as Patrick Peterson coming back, Everson Griffin, and of course many young players, because we have to remember this is a very young player. Excuse me, this is a very young team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They could be seriously dangerous and make a run for that seventh seed in the foot in, in the NFC. Excuse me. And I think that this is a team that could seriously find some success in the playoffs if they continue to play the way they have. They've shown that they can run the shit out of the ball. We know how good Dalvin Cook is. We know how explosive Justin Jefferson is in the passing game. And of course, Eric Kendricks, I think, can lead this defense to do amazing things. I mean, that pick he had in this game was just an absolutely unreal play that I don't think any other linebacker in the league can do. Because when you see Eric Kendricks matching up against Keenan Allen, that was kind of a no-brainer for Justin Herbert. Because any other linebacker, you take that matchup 100 times out of 100 times. Keenan Allen is obviously a very crafty route runner. But Eric Kendricks is no ordinary linebacker. If you haven't seen that play, go look it up because Eric Kendricks literally got flipped around, flipped his hips back towards Keenan, played with inside leverage and got an amazing pick on him. It was just a great play. And again, I think this Vikings team is definitely still in it. Shifting to the Chargers side of the ball, I am starting to get a bit nervous about these Chargers. I see two really big issues with this Chargers team right now, and I think they're both very exploitable once they get to the postseason. The first huge weakness for the Chargers, and this felt very similar to the Patriots loss, is they got outrun. Simply, the Chargers cannot stop the run and aren't the best running team. As much as I love Austin Eckler as much as the next guy, he is not a workhorse back and i think that's a good thing for him because again because i love you austin shout out austin hopefully he ever sometimes one time listens to this pod great great dude met him one time um just huge fan whatever it doesn't matter 
I'm, this is not a podcast about Austin Eckler. Um, I want him to have as long as career as he can. I think the longer, I think he can have a longer career by not being that workhorse back, and he hasn't been that workhorse back. I think the the Chargers really need a look for a young back in next year's draft because they need a thunder to Austin's lightning. Um, I actually wrote that and then remembered I was writing about the Chargers, so you like that one? Anyways, they're putting so much pressure on Justin Herbert right now just because, again, they don't have that solid run defense. And although he can execute it most of the time and he is extremely talented and amazing, he's still a young, cute quarterback and he's still learning the game. These are very experienced coaches with elaborate schemes that have gotten under his skin. I mean, think about it. Mike Zimmer gave him problems. Bill Belichick gave him problems. And the run game not being there and not being a factor is just adding to that pressure and putting more on his shoulders to deal with, particularly when the other team can run the shit out of the ball and keep Justin on the sidelines because he needs those explosive plays to keep them in games, which again, he he is more than capable than of doing. But think about the teams in the AFC, their coaches and their elaborate schemes. I mean, you got to think about Andy Reid and Spagnolo. He has he's known for his creative defensive schemes. You've got Jim Harbaugh and the Ravens. They're known for their crazy blitzes. Uh, other teams like the Titans, they are just getting extreme amounts of pressure up front. And again, that is not a great recipe for success. Even if the Titans haven't shown that they can run the ball consistently without Derrick Henry, that's still their identity and they're still going to try and do that. So again, it's it definitely makes me nervous. I'm not sure they win their division anymore with how good the Chiefs looked on Monday. And again, the Chiefs aren't even themselves yet. They missed on a couple big plays that the old Chiefs heat hit. My point is... They're not at their ceiling yet, and so yeah, I kind of messed up by last week not putting them in the playoff picture because I very much think this team is set to win their division now, and I think they will win it over the Chargers, which it's just crazy how fast things can change in the NFL, but that's why it's so exciting, and that's why you got to tune in every single week to get the latest and greatest. The next game I've got for you guys is... Just when Jets fans maybe thought they could sleep at night, the Patriots are back, baby. The Patriots are just so flawless on offense, and their weapons are showing up big, particularly with their free agent signing. I mean, one guy I want to start off with, because this is not a free agent, but it's actually someone they drafted, is Ramondre Stevenson. Of course, I dropped him in one of my leagues last week because I think he is an absolute must-pick-up player. Um, he is looking like an absolute stud i loved him coming out of the draft a lot of the people i follow regarding the nfl draft really loved him too so i absolutely trusted that they were going to use him to his absolute best potential and it looks like they are of course regardless of Ramondre, they have a bunch of young talent that they've drafted very well christian barmore obviously mac jones Ramondre stevenson just from this draft and then you have guys that are free agents that are locked up for the future that are showing up big like kendrick bourne like hunter henry like johnny smith like matthew judon all those guys are playing really really good football and this again this patriots offense just looks so flawless they were seven for nine on third downs the browns were one and eleven meaning they were staying on the field and extending drives and they were keeping the browns off the field this tells me that they are of course plenty well coached as we know by bill belichick but mac jones is just playing absolutely amazing football they had 
452 total yards in this game that is absolutely crazy and i think they have a lot to thank on the defensive end for that the defense is putting them in great positions to succeed and i think that this game also had huge future and playoff implications first of a future implication is this game was extremely influential on baker's contract as we know baker is still on his rookie contract they picked up his fifth year option and he is set through 2022 but of course teams like to get those extensions out before that um excuse me before that fifth year option is over and i think that this is a, just a very bad look for baker he's not been playing very good football and he's been getting beat up on the regular he now is dealing with a knee contusion on top of already dealing with that shoulder injury that he has to get surgery for after the season is over so again right now if the season ended tomorrow and they had to choose whether to extend him or not i don't think they would and that is just absolutely massive to the Browns future because it leaves so many question marks and this roster is very much ready to win now and I think they are being held back by their quarterback play a little I'm not saying that I don't believe in Baker at all I'm not saying that he can't do some really good things I'm not saying that he doesn't have some explosive plays to his game because he absolutely does and I think he can be a franchise quarterback in the right scenario but right now I don't know if you can make that argument so again I'm not giving up on him just yet, but I'm not saying that I would pay him either. Patriots are looking very good for to get a fifth seed. It's looking very real. You don't want to, and you know who don't want to face in January is Bill Belichick. Enough said there. Sorry, I'm not talking about the Browns too much. It's just they're very lucky that the Ravens lost, the Steelers tied, and the Bengals are on by. I can say that they're very much still in the AFC North hunt because a lot of their competition in that division fell behind or simply didn't play. The next game I've got for you guys is the Saints versus the Titans. One thing I've got to say about the Titans is the Titans are now 7-0 against playoff teams from 2020, and the Titans just keep finding ways to win. With a very convincing 8-2 record, they're tied for the best in the league now, and this felt like it totally could have been a trap game for them. Excuse me, I'm dealing with a little bit of allergies if I sound a little congested. Uh, I just didn't feel like the Tennessee was a very good matchup. For the Saints, they're also coming off a few huge emotional wins in a row. I thought about AJ versus Marshawn Lattimore. I thought about the Saints. A very, very, very good run defense against this first this team that is still running the ball, as I've said. Even if the Titans didn't, didn't run the ball very well in this game, it just shows you how well coached they are, how diverse they are, how they can win on, on a ton of different ways because Tremor Simeon actually played really great. And the Saints also run an offense that can manage games very well and keep other offenses on the field, or excuse me, off the field. But Tennessee did just enough to overcome a very well-coached, mistake-free football team that gives you bad matchups on paper. This says so much to me about the Titans' coaching staff, locker room, leadership, etc. I just love what this team is doing right now. I've been saying this for a few weeks now. Vrabel needs to get in that Coach of the Year conversation because he absolutely deserves it. Also, shout out Marcus Johnson with Julio out. His number got called a lot in this game, especially in big yarded situations. And he consistently came up big for the Tennessee Titans, especially considering, as I thought may happen, Marshawn played a lot of man on AJ Brown and AJ Brown had a very quiet game. So a lot of these other guys were asked to step up in his absence, I guess you could say. It's not that he didn't play the game. It's just that Marshawn was covering him in his uh, lack of production, I should say. A lot of other guys pick up. So again, I do see weaknesses 
weaknesses with this Titans team, absolutely yes. But their D-line is absolutely still wreaking havoc each and every single game. And that means a lot in the playoffs. And I think they, A, just have something special and some intangible about them. And they get big plays whenever they need them. I think, B, they have a coach that I just believe so much in right now. And C, because of their elite versatility, that shows good coaching above anything else to me. As far as the Saints go, I still think this is very much a playoff team. I truly do. Also, can't leave this game without talking about that roughing the passer call. But those of you who are saying that this that call cost the game, yes, it was egregious. Yes, it was a terrible call. But who knows how this game goes after that? Say that wasn't called pass interference, or excuse me, that wasn't called roughing the passer, and say that pass was picked off in the end zone. Who knows if Tennessee doesn't just get the ball right back? Who knows if Trevor Simeon doesn't throw a pick right after that? So again, it happens. Uh, you can't control. You got to control what you can control. You can't control the refs. And it's not like this pick was in the fourth quarter. It was in the second quarter. It's not like it was in crunch time. It's not like it was that taunting penalty against Cassius Marsh in the fourth quarter with very little time to go. <clears throat> uh, anyways, but yeah, I think the Saints are going to be just okay. I think that Trevor Simeon is just playing, honestly, just really, really good football. He looks really good. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up. I think he will, but I trust that he will just because I believe so much in Sean Payton and the rest of this coaching staff. Uh, again, he doesn't have too many weapons to throw to, but when you have Alvin Kamara in a defense that's playing this well, by the way, Alvin didn't play in this game. So once they get him back, that's going to be a huge addition back to their offense regardless i think this team should be just fine and still should easily be fighting for a playoff spot next we have the cardinals versus the panthers what a huge statement made by the panthers regardless regardless of who arizona had at qb this was just a massive win for them both a, both a boost in their confidence and to put the rest of the league on notice i mean i think they have some massive swagger going right now i mean if Cam can get anything going in the passing game and this defense just continues to play as they have been, which is really damn good, I think this team could be really sneaky. I also want to talk about, there was a video of Cam kneeling on the sidelines by the bench of the Carolina Panthers and he's motivating all of his teammates. That is the shit we love to see. That was just an awesome video. If you guys don't know what I'm talking talking about, just literally look up like Cam Newton leads Panthers on their bench or something like that because it's it's he's on the ground, he's kneeling, and there's probably like 20 guys around him just listening to him and accepting his leadership. And he just signed there. Obviously, a lot of those guys were there when he was there uh, two years ago, that was. I think that was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. A lot of the same guys are still there, but either way, just to be able to get signed three days before that game and absolutely take over that locker room, I think it says so much about Cam and how much they believe in him. And again, it just builds confidence in this team and just gets their swagger level just to a whole nother level. Um, sorry, I like that word right now. The cards got to stay healthy on a different note, because I think this game is drastically different if they have their guys in there, specifically DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray, obviously. They should be just fine, but the race between them and the Packers in the one seed is getting very, very interesting right now. And if the road to the Super Bowl and the NFC is through Lambeau and not through the desert, I think that 
that is just going to be a huge home field advantage for the Packers. And think about the difference between playing in Arizona and Green Bay in January. That's really all I got to say about that one. I think this team will be all right, but again, they need to get healthy. And if they do, I will believe it when I see it. And I think that this team is still going to be easily a top five team in the league, but we'll get to that later in the podcast. Regardless, they need to get healthy. They will be just fine if they do. And Again, this this Panthers team has some serious swagger about them, has some serious charisma, and I think they could seriously make a run if Cam can just do just enough in the passing game and their defense continues to play as well as it has. Finally, my final game that I'm going to be covering is the Rams versus the 49ers. This was just another statement game, huge statement game for the Niners. Also had to talk about this game because I won a shit ton of money off this game. Huge shout out to Underdog Fantasy. If you guys ever want to collaborate, you know, you should hit me up. I see all those YouTubers and all those other content creators have all these partnerships with you guys. Um, I'm not expecting to get one by any means, but you guys are fucking awesome. You guys won me a shit ton of money. It's a great app. If you haven't checked it out, go download it. I'm not even sponsored by them. So they're not paying me to say any of this shit. I'm just recommending it to people because it's sweet. And I will have some underdog best bets on my Thursday pod. So if you want to make some money with me or possibly lose some money with me again, there are, there is a risk in this. I'm not just going to say I'm guaranteeing you guys money, but Hey, I turned $50 into $500 just from this game alone. So shout out to Underdog Fantasy. That was fucking amazing. It made this game so much more fun to watch. If you guys are wondering what bets I took, I took Cooper Cup over 100.5 yards. I took Matthew Stafford to cover 33.5 yards over Jimmy Garoppolo. And then I took George Kittle over 10.5 yards over Brandon Ayuk. And there was one more. Oh, yeah. And Elijah Mitchell to go over 66 and a half rushing yards. Obviously, they all hit. So great stuff. Regardless, this isn't all about underdog fantasy. We also have to talk about this game. The Rams did the same sort of thing they did in the Titans game. It looked very, very similar. Stafford kind of just dug them their own grave. There was one bad pick that was entirely his fault. The other one wasn't on him. Tyler Higby simply fumbled the ball around. And then I think it was Jimmy Ward. Let me know if I'm wrong about that one. Jimmy Ward just made a great play, displayed great ball skills to pick the ball out of the air, took it back for a touchdown. But beyond that, they they looked out of sync all night and receivers were dropping balls that we're not used to seeing them drop. I mean, Cooper Cup had a very blatant drop on third down that would have given the first down to extend a drive. And even if Stafford and his weapons were completely off sync all night that that you know that's going to happen sometimes and sometimes it's going to cost you the game but beyond that the Rams just got pushed around on the offensive line I mean they didn't ask or excuse me I guess their defensive line the Niners pushed around the Rams defensive line I kind of phrased that weirdly either way they didn't asked Jimmy to do too much, but the Niners just absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage. And Jimmy played great. I mean, he executed flawlessly. Even if they didn't ask him to do too much, he only threw the ball 19 times. 15 for 19, looking for a lot of throws over the middle. That's still a very good game. And when you have weapons on the outside and weapons that can make absolute elite plays after the catch in Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, etc. That's all you need. And when you're running the ball as effect as effectively as they were and Jimmy's getting the clean pockets, again, that's 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 winning. And I really want to watch the film deeper on this one because again, I only watched the broadcast and I really want to know what's going on here. Because McVeigh clearly 
is not <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> I, I phrased that weirdly too kyle is clearly has mcveigh's number on here kyle shanahan i mean that is now straight five wins against the rams that is absolutely crazy to me just because you think about all the injuries that the niners had especially last year and they beat them twice that is crazy the last home win they had was their last two home wins think about this their last two home wins in basically a year of football is are both against the rams that is wild to me i couldn't believe that when i read it anyways i am starting to get a little concerned about the rams i think they'll be fine overall but any team that is turnover prone is not a good thing and overall i think we learned a lot more about the niners here and they're certainly still in the hunt now so good for them because this was an again an absolute must win game for them i talked about it in my podcast on thursday i said that they needed to win this game if they needed to keep their playoffs hopes alive and sure enough mcveigh continues to prove that he cannot coach against Kyle Shanahan and I don't know what it is because I think McVay is the far superior coach here but Shanahan just finds ways to beat McVay basically every single time they match up so good for the Niners flawless execution absolute domination on both of the lines of scrimmage and again Matthew Stafford needs to cut down those turnovers because that is not a formula to win games especially if that defense is not going to show up the way it didn't show up this game Honestly, I thought the best player on the Rams defense this game outside of Jalen Ramsey because Aaron Donald had a very quiet game was Troy Reader. Troy Reader, that, that linebacker, I think he's number 51. I could be wrong. He had a couple really big tackles and just very physical. Anyways, regardless, they lost, so it doesn't matter. We're going to move on to my top 10 teams in the NFL. We're going to move down from 10 all the way down to 1. And it's crazy thinking about some of these teams in the top 10 because I totally wouldn't have thought this even, you know, last weekend. But regardless, my top 10 team in the NFL right now, at number 10, we have the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, it's crazy how fast my opinion can change on a team. But hey, right now they're first in their division. They finally are showing some flexibility on their offense. They're not asking Mahomes for everything. Their run game is getting going and they're getting CEH back and their defense is playing a lot better as displayed in the Packers game, as displayed in the Raiders game, even the Giants game, they played a really good game. So again, I think that this team, as Travis Kelsey put greatly, is starting to get their swagger back. And I think that the rest of the team really has to be careful with this team because again, we know how bad they were at the beginning of the year, but this offensive line is getting better. Patrick Mahomes is getting more comfortable. And fuck, if, if you don't know who this is, go look up Creed Humphrey highlights because that dude might just be the best rookie in straight up, just flat out, best rookie, just period. But he's not going to get the offensive rookie of the year because he's a center, but whatever. My number nine team, we have the Baltimore Ravens. They still beat Kansas City earlier this year, so I still got to put them here. But if they played on a neutral field tomorrow, I don't know. I might take the Chiefs, all I'm saying. Either way, Lamar is playing like an MVP candidate, at least before that Dolphins game. I still trust this very well-coached team that is indeed built for the playoffs. They've proven that they can rush the passer. They've proven that they can run the ball. Lamar has proven that he can extend plays and just carry a team on his back, even though he doesn't have to because this is a very talented team. So again, this team is very good. This team is going to be hanging around. And maybe I'd have to put the Chiefs at 9 and the Ravens at 10 right now. But either way, 
it's very close. They're like 9A, 9B, so whatever. You can you can switch them in your head if you want to. At number eight, I've got the Patriots. I know, I can't believe I'm saying this right now, but I absolutely love this team. I mean, they can do everything. They're so flexible. They can beat you in any way. They can run the hell out of the ball. Mac Jones is not not creating turnovers. He's playing flawless football. They have an absolute amazing defense and match up great with a lot of the teams in the AFC, particularly with that great run game. And I think, again, Mac Jones is by far and away the offensive rookie in the year because quarterback means so much more than receiver. Sorry, Jamar Chase. Just got to be said. And again, in January, who are you going to trust more than anyone? At least for me, I'm going to trust Bill Belichick. Moving on to my number seven, number, number seven team, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, they've had some very bad losses this year and with costly turnovers coming from Tom Brady. But are we really going to think Brady's going to keep doing that? I say hell no. They're still getting healthy. We still know how talented they are. And we've seen them in this spot before. They were actually practically worse than this last year they were seven and five they went on a bye and then they didn't lose again i'm not saying that they're not going to lose again because they could definitely lose again but regardless we've seen them here before i trust the hell out of tom brady we know how talented this team is and how good they can be we've seen them at their peaks a few times during the season and again i can't count them out bucks at seven at number six, we have the Rams. This is another team coming off an embarrassing L, and they've had a few ones. They're in a similar situation to the Bucks that way because they've been exposed a couple times. They've also been a little turnover prone, but again, I'm trusting this talent on this team because I think it still is one of the most talented rosters in the NFL and this brilliant coaching staff because again, we've seen them in this spot before. We've seen them make a Super Bowl before with Jared Goff and not Matthew Stafford who's far more talented so overall because I think this coaching staff is just so bright as well as Matthew Stafford and his veteran leadership I think they're going to learn from these losses and I think they're still serious Super Bowl contenders even if they only happen to land a wild card spot my number five team we have the Buffalo Bills I know a lot of people would put the Bills above a lot of the other teams I have here and I think the Bills have an amazing defenses and possibly defense excuse me and possibly one of the best in the league led by a shutdown secondary which is has the best safety tandem in the league in jordan poyer and micah hyde and then of course lockdown guy and tradavius white but there's one problem i see with the bills that really concerns me and it's this run game the bills just don't have a great run game right now and particularly in the playoffs if you're playing at home in buffalo in the snow in the cold you need a run game. You need to establish that physicality. You need to be able to keep their other quarterback cool. And again, that's just the one big concern for me. And that's the really a big difference between them and my top four teams in here. At number four, we have the... Wait, this is wrong. No, it's not. At number four, we have the Arizona Cardinals. And I have a little asterisk next to this one. Asterisk? Asterisk? I don't know. And this is if they're all healthy. I know we haven't seen their usual cards because they've been getting so beat up. And they are so beat up in terms of health. But we know what they are when they're healthy and how explosive this offense can be. Kyler was on, on an absolute MVP level before his injury. And even if D-Hop hasn't played... 
maybe quite as well as he did last year it's still deandre hopkins and he still opens up that whole offense for everyone else just because of the attention he brings to him and we can't forget how deep they are and how complete of a team they have been so far this year so i have the cardinals at four at number three i have the dallas cowboys yes the cowboys lost to the broncos but literally go through this entire list every single team in this list has gotten embarrassed seriously i mean think about some of the teams i've listed anyways this is still one of the most complete rosters in the league and in my opinion it is probably the most athletic i mean they're just so young so fast they fly all over the field i mean just think about their dudes who are like under 25 right now i'm willing to bet cd's under 25 mike is definitely under 25 dax probably like 25 26 zeke's probably like 25 26 uh michael gallup's got to be under 25 i mean amari cooper's probably like 25 26 too uh lane venderis is probably under 25 trayvon diggs is definitely under 25 i mean the list just goes on and on and on and on they are so explosive on offense they can beat you in any single way they can, they're great running the ball Dak can let the ball loose over the top and get that explosive passing game going with all those hundreds of weapons they have and we know how good their defense is again led by those young studs i was just talking about so again this team is only getting better because of how young they are and they're freakishly athletic and fast because again they're so young and so talented and i if you're a cowboys fans right cowboys fans excuse me right now you are just so excited with what you're seeing because they are just hitting on all their draft picks and good for them i mean it's the league is honestly a better place when the cowboys are good it truly is you can say whatever you want maybe the you know for cowgirls overrated whatever the league wants them to be good but hey it's a better place when they are moving on to my number two team we have the green bay packers green bay is another team that a they're built for the playoffs the way their run game and their defense looks right now because their defense is seriously being slept on jair alexander is not there right now who's one of the best corners in the nfl you can make an argument he is the best corner in the nfl and their defense is playing absolute shutdown lockdown defense i mean yes russell wilson was dealing with a lot of rust in that last game but still zero fucking points that is crazy a shutout on a russell wilson led team that is just unheard of i don't think he's ever been shut out in his career let me know if i'm wrong about that one but regardless i trust this qb and coach tandem as much as any in the league and I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, people. He is a bad dude. We know he's that dude. And we can't forget that this is his last dance. And I want to say I, I would have them over the Cardinals and the Cowboys right now because I've seen them here before. I've seen Aaron Rodgers do this before. I've seen Matt LaFleur do this before. So overall, I just trust them a little more right now. Number one, I think we all know what's coming here. It is the Tennessee Titans. I actually didn't write any notes on this one just because this is more of just a feeling. Again, I just love what this team is doing. I love all the different ways they're winning. They're obviously tied for the best record in the league right now. So I think that you kind of have to put them on one by default because of their resume, because they've beaten seven 2020 playoff teams, because of their elite defense and their ability to be so flexible. I mean, this team can just do everything right now and they are doing it at an extremely high level sure they lost to the cardinals earlier this year and may i don't know if they'd beat the 
Cowboys or the Green Bay Packers or the Buffalo Bills tomorrow. But, I mean, hey, they've already beat the Bills once. And, again, they have the best record in the league. And I think that you just, by default, kind of have to give them the one right now. And, again, this is just theoretical and all argumentative. So, does it really matter? Not really. It's just an opinion. Next, we're going to be going over my fantasy trade targets. There's going to be some very high-profile names on here. And this is going to be, I'm going to have three trade ideas to give to you guys. And then I'm going to have two pickups on the waiver wires that you guys are going to want to go grab. My first trade target for someone you're going to want to be going after is Saquon Barkley. He is supposed to be coming back from his injury. And with that being said, his stock should never be lower than it is right now. Assuming he doesn't get re-injured, which pray to God, hope he doesn't. Because again, the league is a better place when Saquon's playing. He's just a phenomenal talent and he's great in fantasy. So again, their owners probably frustrated with him they haven't gotten much from him all year at all if they've had him the entire year and so with him coming back again you don't want to see him play that game absolutely explode and then try and trade for him because then the owner's just going to be stubborn not going to want to give him up as you know as usual that makes sense you don't sell a stock when it's I mean, I guess you do sell a stock when it's very high. That's a bad analogy. Regardless, his stock is very low right now. You want to buy in when it's low. So he hasn't shown anything yet. He hasn't come back from this injury, but he's supposed to this week. So again, this is a very high profile name. You're going to have to trade a whole lot for him. Maybe a wide receiver one and a running back two. But hey, if you got some wide receiver depth to work with and you really need a solid RB1 to lead your team, Saquon Barkley is definitely a viable option. Another name, this is again a very high profile name that again, I don't expect many people to give up right now. But again, their owners could be getting frustrated with them. And I think a lot of the uncertainty right now could have their price point at the lowest it should be all year and this is deandre hopkins deandre hopkins hopefully hopefully for my sake i have him in a few of my leagues plays this week um and again he's been out for the last couple weeks and same situation with saquon when someone's coming off an injury the owner's got to be annoyed with them because they don't really know if they're going to be 100 percent. they don't really know what to you know they haven't seen them. It's just recency bias. That's all That's all this is about. They haven't seen them play. They don't know what results they're going to get. And again, if you're going to go out and buy DeAndre Hopkins at any time, now is the absolute time because, again, he could explode this week and then sayonara, you're not going to be able to get him. Again, you don't want to buy a stock when it's high. That was the analogy I was trying to use, but that was, that was I, I messed it up the first time. Now for two pickups on the waiver wires. First is going to be someone I mentioned earlier. It's going to be Ramondre Stevenson. Even if Damian Harris comes back and steals some touches in this backfield, we know how run heavy this Patriots team is. We know that they like to use their running backs by committee. And Ramondre looked extremely good running the ball. I mean, he is like, I believe he's like a 230 pound back. I think he's like 510 or something and he's in like the 4546 range he's not crazy fast but he's crazy powerful and he is just built like an absolute patriots running back i mean he looks so damn good in this game and again you don't know how much usage you're going to get for him but when it's off the waivers you might as well just put a waiver in and see if you can get him drop someone on your bench that you don't think you're going to be using because the upside is very much there and there's pretty much no downside again it is just a waiver wire pickup so why not my second waiver wire pickup is going to be 
Cam Newton. I can't believe I'm saying that name. <laughs> it's crazy to me that he's going to be a viable option. But, hey, he should get a lot of the goal line work. They should be using him to get a lot of rushing touchdowns. And even if his passing numbers aren't phenomenal, rushing touchdowns for a quarterback are just an automatic six points. And they're so influential that I think that you could seriously just, again, there's no risk here. It's just a waiver wire. If you don't have waiver priority, fuck it why not just put one in just just there's literally no point in trying and not trying to go pick him up like unless you have like you know Mahomes and then Stafford on your bench for some fucking reason because he drafted weird but um I mean why not again there's just you can pick him up if someone's desperate at quarterback you can trade them to them so there's just not a lot of downside here he's going to be getting a lot of goal line work and probably getting a lot of rushing yards just like the old cam was and i do expect him to be an upgrade over sam Darnold. so this overall offense should be a lot better and again he has got the best check down in the league for yards after catch in christian mccaffrey which leads me to my next person this may sound absolutely crazy but some of you guys may want to consider trading away Christian McCaffrey because of all the reasons I said for Cam. Sure, Cam is going to check down the ball to him a lot. He's going to see plenty of targets. And I think that that, that last game, Christian didn't get a touchdown. And he still finished with 26 points. I almost think that's best case scenario because I think you can really convince someone, look, Christian's going to keep getting 10 targets a game, but Christian is going to only increase his touchdown right it's, he's only going to get more touchdowns from here on out but here is where you get it here's where you really trick him cam is going to be getting the goal line work cam is going to be stealing a ton of touchdowns from christian mccaffrey so that's why you trade him because yes christian has a crazy high floor when he's in the game but everyone knows that you know how much you can get for christian mccaffrey i mean he is supposed to be fully back and healthy for the rest of the year and you can make an argument that his touchdown numbers are going to increase but we know that they're really not so again it's a perfect trade opportunity because someone's going to give an arm and a leg for this guy and if you need depth on your team and say you have McCaffrey and you've had a lot of other injuries and you just got McCaffrey back and your team is you know not looking too good but hey, hey You've got McCaffrey. McCaffrey's an absolute god. Maybe you want to look at a team with a ton of depth at running back, at receiver, and make a trade with that team. So hopefully you can get a more complete roster for Christian McCaffrey. That's going to be it for those trade targets and waiver wire pickups. Finally, been waiting to talk about this for a long time. We're going to be briefly talking about my Chicago Bulls. They have won four of the last five games. Their only loss came against the scary good Warriors who look like the best team in the league right now. But regardless, we have to talk about Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and Zach Levine. This trio just looks absolutely nasty. I love when they made this signing. They, they're kind of making just a great approach. They're kind of making a team that's built for the 2021 NBA, 2021, 2022, whatever you want to call it, NBA season, because we know this game is so guard dominated now. And these guards are just playing lights out. I mean, obviously we got to talk about their defense led by Caruso and Zoe and um, even, even, uh, even DeMar is playing like a lot better defense than I'm used to him, seeing him play. And that is just it's it's great to see. I mean, 
They were extremely aggressive in the offseason. It's obviously paying off very big time for them. I mean, DeMar is just absolutely lighting up stages. That Watching that Lakers game was just so fun, mostly because I knew that DeMar wanted to go to LA and they chose to go after Brody instead. And I mean, whatever, good for them. They got, they got Russell Westbrook, that's led GM at work. But I mean, it's not looking like the right move right now, right? I just... Let me digress a little bit from the Bulls for a second. The Lakers built the weirdest team. I don't know. I don't like, I didn't like their moves at all. I didn't like the Russell Westbrook move. I just think Russell and LeBron play such a similar game and they're lacking so much athleticism in shooters. Like, yes, LeBron is a crazy athlete, but he's still a lot older. You still have to manage him. He can't play 82 games anymore. He can't play all 48 minutes anymore. It's just a really weird built team in my opinion they're very big they should be very good defensively but i don't know lebron's not what he used to be defensively and we know russell doesn't play the best defense hopefully ad can stay healthy and not get ejected from games but regardless just a really weird team and these teams are built in completely opposite ways i mean the lakers have a ton of big dudes they've got a ton of guys who can't shoot very well but can drive very well and then the bulls have a ton of shooters a ton of guys who are playing very good defense and zach levine and lonzo ball even demar Derozan, are driving extremely well i mean those three guys are just so fun to watch on a daily basis and they're only getting better and better because they are so young of course we know what demar is but he's having a career year right now at least so far and just think about it this way. We've got Lonzo locked up. We've got Levine. We've got DeMar locked up. We've got Caruso locked up. Kobe White's coming back. Patrick Williams hasn't even played this, or he did play this year, but he's not playing the rest of the year. I mean, the future is very bright for this team, and I'm extremely excited about my Bulls. Um, they're going to be one of the best teams in the East. I can't wait to talk about the NBA more because this year has gotten off to just a really fun start, and I was right about the Lakers not looking too hot. Of course, we can't panic yet because LeBron hasn't been playing and he will be back. But I don't really think this team is built for the playoffs, if I'm being completely honest. I, I said this before the season started. They're a regular season stopper, stomper, excuse me, and they're going to get outshot in the playoffs. I think they match up terribly against teams like the Jazz, the Warriors, uh, even the Bulls, which, you know, they're not going to face because Eastern Conference, Western Conference, regardless. Teams like that that are very athletic, very quick, very good defensively and can shoot the ball well, which, you know, are like the Jazz and the Warriors, obviously, especially when they get clay back. That's just not a very good matchup for them because they can't keep up with them. They're old, they're slow, they don't have good shooters, they can't keep up offensively and yeah i don't like what i'm seeing from them i'm sorry guys i i know that i've got a ton of friends who are lakers fans i want them to be good i'm obviously a southern california kid but hey my heart resides in chicago so go bulls thank you guys so much for listening to this episode i really enjoyed uh making it i hope you guys enjoyed it too be sure to stay tuned and follow my Instagram at Professional Sports Talk because there is a giveaway coming up. I'm going to be giving away an NFL jersey of your choice, or I guess I could do an NBA jersey of your choice, just jersey of choice. We'll just leave it at that. So be sure to stay tuned on there because the details will be coming out for us soon enough. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for me, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.